I like everybody, so that's not a problem. Uh, and I and I dislike everyone evenly. <laughs> I, I have like a time limit of like where I can actually hang out as a person. So that's all. No matter who I'm with. Like if we hit like four hours, I'm like, all right, I got, I got to get out of here. Yeah, that's how I've always have been. But I'm an equal opportunity offender. I'm not, it's not particular to anybody. That's why I think it's crazy <laughs> that. Uh, that's cool. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. All right. Anyway, that's a good sign for the future. Yeah. If there anyway. Is uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't put all your eggs but... in one basket is what I say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. say that. I never say that. Because <laughs> I do put all my eggs in, ba- in one basket. Your eggs are in one yeah, basket. Just one basket for everything. I got no plan Bs. <laughs> I have no plan B. So, hopefully things work out. If you had a plan B, that would be bad. Screwed. I've got a chick waiting. I don't like plan. I I never liked plan Bs just because it made me think like, well, you're not gonna try as hard on the plan a if you know there's a there's a there's a backup or a fail safe right and i'm talking about anything like jobs passions i have a lot of plan b's but not in relationships (laughs) yeah that's such a funny one to have a plan b with (laughs) yeah there's a chicken lansing i've got uh, sitting on the burner you know what though like we're different though but i think a lot of a lot of people have a lot of plan b's Maybe a plan B, one plan B, and then like a plan C. A lot of plans, maybe. It's just the way oh. the way people work nowadays, especially with, you know, COVID. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. can you imagine meeting someone during this era or trying to get out there? How do you do that? Nobody I mean, would. I technically did. Yeah, you kind of did, didn't you? How long have you guys been going out? We're almost an 18-month-old. Yeah. Anyway, uh, welcome, everyone, to this very special episode of Aaron and Justin Talk Sequels. Uh, this is going to be probably our finest yeah. episode as we talk about the works and career of Mike McCullers, um, famed screenwriter. And we are today on to the episode where we are covering Austin Powers in Gold Member, the third and final, for now, movie in the Austin Powers franchise. Now, what many people might not realize is that Austin Powers is a semi-autobiographical work, really covering the life of Mike McCullers. He is a British expatriate, born in 1945. He worked for the... It's it's almost like he was a kingsman, to use a modern pop reference that all of you guys can really enjoy he worked directly for the queen for a while i'm just going through his wikipedia he worked for the queen and he did special operations at the behest of the monarchy not actually the british government but for the actual queen herself when special dirty work was required um aaron what are your thoughts (laughs) i'm so lost I'm just I'm making like, up shit. Did you really make all that up? I went to his Wikipedia just to be like, is this true? No, none of this is true. He was born in Alabama, of all places, in like the 70s. Uh, Holy cow. Mike well, let's see. He was on SNL. He wrote yeah. the Austin Powers sequels. Uh, he wrote Baby Mama, with Tina Fey, yeah. Amy Poehler. Um, I haven't seen that. Boss Baby. Boss oh, Baby, Transylvania I have three seen. summer vacation. He's set to write Shrek five. Huh. How about that? Yeah, that part is interesting. Like, there you go. but that's also like the fourth Austin Powers. That's something that we'll probably just 
never Here, actually come to Here's the thing, pass. though. Like, uh, he might not have anything worth remembering to his name, but if you like add up how many financial successes he himself has written, he's probably one of the most successful screenwriters we have. Like, he's yes. probably made studios over a billion dollars at this point. Yeah. And a lot of the screenwriters can't say that. You know who can't say that? Like, Paul Thomas Anderson can't say that. And yet he's, <laughs> yeah, right? Unless he's, uh, and yet he's written some of our most beloved films, you know, in our in our lifetime. But he's made shit for studios. <laughs> right. <laughs> Compared to this guy. Yeah, Hotel Transylvania 3, I bet you made almost a billion dollars. I'm going to look real quick. $528 million. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say a billion, but I mean, that one alone, but like the Austin Powers movies probably made about 600 million combined yeah. sequels. And then um, you add that oh. to it. I mean, he, yeah, he's up there like, uh, oh more God, than a Boss dollars. Baby made, f- okay, between Boss Baby and Hotel Transylvania 3, that's a billion dollars all on its own. Boom. This guy has made billions of dollars for the studio. I mean, not just him alone, of course, but if he's writing them, he's got a big, big hand in what you do. Have you watched the Boss Baby movies? I think we saw the first yeah we did see the first they're not that bad second one is better than is the first maybe we did see the second i don't think we did it's such did a stupid just... movie idea and then you hear that like alec baldwin was the voice like everything just sounded horrible about it but then you know we have kids so we ended up watching it and yeah i laughed so i'm, I'm cool with it yeah i'm getting a facetime call right now on my computer oh my god from it's my michael son. mccullers <laughs> <laughs> how did he find us he's gonna be our first like famous listener and it's gonna go poorly (sighs) anyway sorry that that facetime call distracted me but anyway uh boss baby is good but today we're actually talking about austin powers in gold member Mm -hmm. um i was going to re-watch this movie i watched them all before the first recording and already with the first recording that we did last episode ladies and gentlemen I had forgotten most of them. They had blended together. <laughs> um, it and was enjoyable for me to pick out of your brain what you believed was in this, this, the first sequel and then the second sequel. Yeah. And so I did not rewatch this for this recording. <laughs> so we are, uh, we're going to just, we're going to do our best is all that we can promise. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the third sequel to Austin Powers? I remember uh, I texted you a couple days ago. Second sequel, yeah. Third movie, second sequel. I watched about an hour of it, and then I had to go do something else, so I like paused it. Then it's actually not that bad. Like it made me feel how the first movie was. Like it was actually enjoyable, and it didn't go off the rails in bad comedy segments the way the second one did. So that I even texted you that, like, hey, I'm actually I'm actually liking it. I'm glad I watched this. And then, like, a day or two later, I got back to finishing it, and it tanked. I, I, I paused it at the exact moment, unbeknownst to me, where it got bad. As bad as the sequel. And it just, like, it just goes in the toilet for me. Uh, pun intended, because there's a lot of toilet humor in here, which doesn't outright bother me. But it's just, Mike Myers has a real problem. He just, like, that was funny in this movie, Let's do it again, but let's do it for five minutes. And that is what happened at the second half of Goldmember, which made me just like, it was such, it was hard to get through. This is my favorite of the Austin Powers movies. And (laughs) I like to call Uh, them a celebration of absurdity. And also obscurity, because when you watch this movie 20 years later, half of the 
references that are supposed to be funny are not funny anymore simply for the fact that our our, our country has moved on and we don't even know what the fuck he's talking about it's hey i went on the subway diet like jared half the like do you think the audience is gonna laugh at that now like nobody knows who that guy is anymore no everybody knows who he is because he's a child molester we know who he is <laughs> our people that are now 18 years old watching this movie and watching the Austin Powers movies like we originally did are going to know anything about that or care. Or here's the thing. Even if they did know about it, they don't find it funny. But no, but seriously, do you think that younger generation knows him as a child molester? I don't think anybody remembers him anymore. I mean, even about that thing, it was like a news blip and now he's just in prison or somewhere. Yeah, I think he's in prison. So like nobody cares anymore. That's that's my point is that nobody cares. So it seems like there was a better way for him. It's just a better joke that would have like maybe existed for longer than just Jared from some. We don't need that. Oh, see, I think we're accidentally calling out Mike McCullers right here because I was just going to say with better writing where you're thinking about the full picture and yeah. how you want this to be remembered, you don't make those jokes. No, I, yeah. See, I, I, I don't think that's a failure in screenwriting. It's a failure in forward thinking that this movie will last but for the time it came out that was a moneymaker i agree with that like making that jared joke was good in 2002 but that's not the kind of joke you should make because it, nobody will care in 20 years that's all these movies are all formulaic we have austin powers we have dr evil we have a beautiful woman doing a thing to advance this movie they added a second villain which can be tricky do you think they pulled off the dual villain who is also Michael Myers. Does he get paid for every character? <laughs> he might. I still think this was a reaction to Eddie Murphy's Nutty Professor roles where Mike was like, well, I can do that. I, I do think that um, Goldmember, who his real name in the movie is Johan van der Smut, and he's a Dutch supervillain who had his genitalia <laughs> covered in gold in a horrible smelting accident. And now he's obsessed with gold, and he's he's like another Dr. Evil. But I think it was a win for the movie in that they didn't use Dr. Evil again as the main villain. Dr. Evil's still like a fan favorite at this time, so he had to include him. And I get that, but anything with Dr. Evil, to me, was pretty lame. It was probably the, the stuff that was least funny in the movie was trying to find things for him to do especially like having him do another song and dance routine with mini me like it's just it's not funny can you imagine all those prisoners that were in that scene like thinking how unfunny mike myers was during that whole shoot they're probably just like at least i'm getting paid for this bullshit are you thinking that they were uh real prisoners yeah i think they're real prisoners and half of them are probably rappers and they're looking at this white dude <laughs> and his little little friend rapping, you know, a song. They're probably just like, what the fuck is this bullshit? Anyway, uh, yeah, but I actually think Goldmember worked because it was, it was very ABBA-inspired. <laughs> and I like that they went back to the 70s in this movie, so it had, a, it had a different look to the movie. So it worked for me, even though there was no real ending. But anyway. The way they travel through time for no reason in these movies makes absolutely is... no sense just delightful so the movie came out in 2002 yeah uh, i just want to go through the plot a little bit just so we're not just like ragging on it without an idea of what we're talking about so it takes place in 2002 and it turns out that austin powers has a famous father who was also a spy who we never heard about until now that happens and he was abducted by Goldmember and brought back to 1975 
So does that mean the gold member? Did gold member come from 1975 and then kidnap him and bring him back? Essentially, yes. Why does he kidnap his father though? Like, what's the pur- What was the purpose? Uh, didn't Doctor Evil make him do it? Hadn't they teamed up? Yes, that's right. Doctor Evil got gold member to be a part of this. I... Present Doctor Evil traveled into the past to team up with somebody in the past right because gold member has some technology that is a tractor beam and dr evil wants to pull a meteor that was in the that, that was a gold meteor for some reason that was in the space he wants to use gold members tractor beam to pull that to hit the polar ice caps which would then melt them and flood the earth unless he gets a bajillion dollars or whatever so that's because dr evil always has a great master plan that's his master plan, but he needs gold members tracked to be able to do it. That's how he gets gold member involved. But I still don't know exactly why they kidnapped Austin's father, or it was some way because he knew Austin Powers would like interfere with his plan. So this was maybe a way to I don't know blackmail him or keep him off his track. Or yeah, are we thinking too much about this? <laughs> if you really break that down, there is a gr- accidental great movie in there. A supervillain travels back in time to complete his evil plan Mm -hmm. knowing that nobody can stop him because nobody knows he's back in time like if the joker did that it would be one of the greatest batman stories of all time true like all of a sudden batman's just in a desolate wasteland and it's like what happened uh here's my other thing about the time travel so nigel powers plays by michael Caine brilliantly he's one of the best parts of the movie he's yep of course was going to be austin powers father in this movie that's how i remember seeing it like of course it's michael kane did he get abducted in 2002 yeah because he's not young so that means that from 1967 until 1997 he knew that austin was in cryogenic freeze yeah (laughs) so he was just okay with his son being frozen for 30 years i mean he wasn't that great of a father that's what this movie goes into obviously but that just seemed weird to me. Yeah, this is the problem with covering <laughs> these movies is um, where time travel makes absolutely no sense. It's they're nonsense movies. Well, like, why did he have to go back to seventy five to get the tractor beam? Couldn't he have just got that technology that in two thousand two because it was made back then? What happened yeah. to it? I don't know. They don't explain. Maybe it got destroyed somehow, and the only way to get it was to go back to seventy five. Can we talk about the only important thing in this movie, Beyonce? Oh Bowles. my gosh. I love that woman. Remember those days? Like this was her first Hollywood movie. Or was first it? movie, yeah. Because she was with um that group, uh Destiny's Ow. Child. Yeah. Right. So she was one of three. And she was like she was like Justin Timberlake. Like she was clearly the most talented one of that group. Yeah. So it was only a matter of time before she would go solo or she would get become a movie star, whatever. Because this is what happens. So the biggest franchise, or one of the biggest franchises at that point, is like, hey, let's pluck her, because she's hot, she's a, she's a big thing. She'd be great in a 1970s film as a Pam Greer kind of character. Let's pull her. And of course, what is she going to say? No. Of course she's going to say yes to the third Austin Powers movie, because it's going to be a goldmine. Uh, but I think that, do you, or do you think that she looks back on this movie and regrets? Or is I wouldn't say regret, but do you think she's embarrassed to be a part of this now? I don't think so. No, um, I do. No, because <laughs> I don't think it, it comes works. up in conversation. She's fantastic in it. She is, but she's not the same Beyonce anymore. Like Beyonce has crossed over from that character we saw, or from that girl we saw in Goldmember. She is now a billionaire 
businesswoman, uh, insanely famous, like has to have security guards most likely. Nobody can get a shot of her anytime. She's married to Jay-Z. They hang out with the former president of the United States. Do you think Barack Obama ever asked her about her role <laughs> in Goldmember? He's like, yeah, that's that... one of my favorite movies. Uh, what was it like working with Mike, Pye, Mike, uh, Mike uh, Myers in that film? <laughs> I think it's something she looks back at because she had to stand in these scenes where Mike Myers in a fat suit is talking about how liquidy his farts are. And she had, you know what I mean? And she had to like stand there like, yeah, okay. You know, like this is not the Beyonce we know nowadays. So I just wonder if she looks back and is embarrassed about being a part of this. I'm looking at her filmography. (laughs) This whole acting thing really just kind of seemed like something she dabbled with. She has one credit before, but I'm assuming it's a music kind of film credit. Carmen, a hip hopera. But she's, her credits really are consistent from 2001 to 2009. After that, it's uh, just two films, Epic and The Lion King. And we get The Lion King. That's such a prestige move. Yeah. When did she marry Jay-Z? Okay, yeah, 2008. So yeah, her film career kind of went out the window. But her music career blasted off into the stratosphere. So I think that is mostly why. I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, she's great in the movie. Like she yeah. handled the uh, you know the dialogue well, and she looks amazing in all the 1970s clothes. So it was cool. You know, I really like her in this movie. They didn't give her a stupid sexual name, Foxy Cleopatra. They had a little more respect for her, I think. Yeah, it was classy. Like they treated Heather Graham like a whore, but like <laughs> they weren't Heather gonna do Graham. that to Beyonce <laughs> and Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> yeah! Wow. <laughs> There are some big names in these movies, and that's funny, <laughs> funny to me. Well, see, that's how the movie starts. We 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 glossed over probably the best part of the movie. Yes, this intro is yeah. my favorite. It's like uh, Austin Powers being a total super spy, jumping out of planes, uh, shagmobile. He's got to land into it, and then of course it turns out Tom motherfucking Cruise makes an appearance in Austin yes. Powers. Is making an Austin Powers movie called Austin Pussy. Uh, which is another good name, which probably would have been the name of the fourth movie if they had made it. The biggest star in the world. Definite surprise. And the good thing about when we went and saw this in 2002 is that it was hard to get spoiled on things. So it was totally a surprise. I remember seeing it in theaters and the mo- the camera pans up and it's Tom freaking Cruise playing Austin. Like we were blown away. We were like, how did they get him? And then Gwyneth Paltrow shows up and that wasn't as a surprise. Like you can get Gwyneth Paltrow. She was a big star at that time too. But yeah. And then they show Kevin Spacey, of course, who was a big star as Dr. Evil. And then of course, uh, Danny DeVito as mini me. Like that was funny. That all worked. Yes. And then the second big surprise that freaking Steven Spielberg makes an appearance too. Like what kind of power does Mike Myers have? The greatest flex. In the late 90s, early 2000s. Yes. Holy cow. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it was a great intro. Yeah. So Spielberg's making the movie. They have a little funny conversation about like, oh, and Mr. Oscar says I'm doing a good job, you know, whatever. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then it becomes another dance scene, but it's a better dance scene. It's a dance scene that was akin to the first movie because I didn't like the one in the second one. It seemed kind of tossed off, but this one felt more in line with the first movie and I liked it. Of course, the Britney Spears cameo comes in and they oh, do yeah. her song, which was featured on the soundtrack. I don't even know it. I don't remember it. I don't know who does cares but she was also huge at that time too so whatever yeah and then yeah then we get into it we find out about his father got abducted so austin has to go back 75 that's when he runs into foxy cleopatra again uh what's his what's his name it's not kevin klein it's the uh the other guy 
who who has just a cameo part he's her mouthpiece in the disco oh um nathan lane nathan lane he's the guy in the disco you know where he yeah is mouthing what she's saying that was a brilliant little scene i loved that she is a scolded ex-lover i love that thought that they were together in the 60s he disappears because he goes on ice and now she sees future him but she doesn't yeah. i don't think she has any idea about this future stuff until well, he, no. a gold member takes his father into the time machine again and then he's like you got to come with me to the present to the present you know and it's all like what okay i want to go yes how do you think you would react to that because i kind of love that little piece of the movie she's like okay i'll leave my whole life behind and go to the future with you well he's like he's taking him into a time machine and she's like the what now <laughs> like <laughs> Uh, yeah, so she goes and she gets to wear kind of a, a style, like a, a cross between the seventies and, and modern time outfit. And I think that works out pretty well too. And I don't know, she gets to be the coolest part of the movie. So I'm happy for her. And then, yeah. And then they just kind of do what you do in an Austin Power movie where, or a James Bond movie. They have to just go investigate and they have to go learn things. So they go run into fat bastard again, who's a sumo wrestler and he's gross. And they do like a crouching tiger, hidden dragon wire fight, which... You know, that's sort of funny. <laughs> okay, it was uh, kind of funny, yeah. Yeah, it was sort of funny. It was it was quick, and that's why it was funnier to me than anything. If it went on for five minutes, I would have been like, Jesus, get over it. But also so topical. It was only relevant in that era. And then this whole time, Dr. Evil's been arrested, because his plan, uh, Austin infiltrated his plan immediately. So he and Minnie are in prison, and it's just about him getting out of prison. He has a sub now, so he gets back to his lair, but it's like a submarine. That was a different crime, wasn't it? Didn't Austin bust him for something else? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He got the busted. Most memorable he was in prison. Movies. It was only an excuse for him to pretend to be Tupac and do another song and dance with Minnie Me in the prison. And that was really it. Yeah. And it wasn't funny to me. I don't remember being funny back then either, but maybe I laughed. Uh, and then this all kind of ends up... Um, oh, and, and like Dr. Evil explains like another retcon to the thing is that they were both in like a fancy British school together as kids. <laughs> and Dr. Evil was slighted because Austin got the International Man of Mystery Award. Because he was even a ladies' ladies' man back then. Uh, what else? I don't know. Michael Caine is great, and it turns out. Am I missing anything? Like it turns out that yeah, Michael really. Caine, that Nigel Powers explains to Austin and Doctor Evil that they're actually brothers because he's yes. both their father. Uh, so then Doctor Evil kind of switches over to Austin's side and helps them stop Goldmember from doing the bad thing, right? Yeah. What else? Oh, Scott, Scott Evil, uh, Dr. Evil's son, is becoming more evil now because, and then he wins the approval of Dr. Evil. So then Dr. Evil kicks Mini Me out, and then Mini Me goes over to the good side earlier in the movie. <laughs> oh, and that's them dressing him different felt weird. Yeah. And then, um, oh, uh, what's his name is in the movie, too? Uh, come on, from Wonder Years. Oh, Fred Savage. Moly, moly, moly. Yeah, and he's a mole, and he has a mole, mole in his face. Mole, mole, mole. You have a mole in your face. Mole. I just it was a bit much. Doctor Evil's real name is Dougie because he looks like D- Dougie. Okay. Here's the thing, though. If Nigel knows that Doctor Evil is his son, why didn't he bring this up earlier when Doctor Evil was trying to take over the world in the previous two movies? Is that your Doctor Evil impression? I don't That's know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's not a thing that i can you were do. doing this 
in the movies. <laughs> no. <laughs> and your pinky no, it's uh, gone finger now. was up to your mouth. Believe me, <laughs> audience. So how does this movie end? It doesn't really. They kind of stop the plan, and then Goldmember falls on the ground, and when he stands up, it turns out it's John Travolta, and they're back in the movie, which actually worked pretty well that they tied it into the beginning of the movie. So now Austin is at the premiere with Foxy, and they're watching Austin Pussy, and they see the credits, and then he walks out, and everybody loves the movie. And that's pretty much it, right? It was a little fanfare ending. Kind of like, we know this is the last Austin Powers movie. Yeah, it was very weird. And yeah, this is the time when there was only three movies that are made, and then they stop. But that's how it should be, and I don't, I don't see another one coming up. I just don't see it. Because he, he did The Love Guru after this, and that was a... That not only was a critical and box office bomb in every way, I think people immediately, it was like the beginning of like movies where like white people were playing uh, foreign characters and it just brought it all back to people like that. He shouldn't do that, you know? And and it's, it hasn't been the same since then. Love Guru is a great example of if this had starred somebody else, would this movie have been good? If you took the third Austin Powers movie, Gave it a different title. Oh, I see what you mean. And changed the main actor. Would this movie still be good? No, this movie would not exist. There's no way to make it exist. It only well, I mean, exists that's, because it's an Austin Powers movie. That's basically what the love guru is. Oh, okay. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Like, you take away the fanfare and the hype. Yeah. And you get a lot of gibberish that you wouldn't accept. Because it's these movies aren't logical. And they only exist because because you know like, Mike Mike Myers. Yes, I and we love Austin Powers. Could you put Eddie have... Murphy in that role? Oh, and see have that. him do the movie. Well, you okay, I that, wasn't really you? looking for a real answer, but, but you no, could how do that. good? Yeah, how good would that have been? <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, and you know what? And he didn't have to be some like Middle Eastern. He could have been like some African love guru and it wouldn't have been offensive and it could have worked right oh no i wasn't even thinking about that eddie murphy <laughs> as austin powers oh jeez i'm talking about the love guru oh i that movie's just bad i don't even think about it but no like oh. eddie murphy would... no i don't think eddie murphy would work at Austin. no there's nothing british about eddie murphy like there's you nothing need... british about mike myers yes he is like his parents are british that's the thing they're they're He's straight from liverpool from... Canada right they are from Liverpool they moved to Canada that's where he was born but his yeah. whole life has been his parents uh, bringing him up as a British citizen yeah yeah he probably knows more French than all of us <laughs> yeah no but you you need that whiteness that late 60s whiteness of Britain <laughs> to make Austin Powers work right you need how lame Austin Powers is <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I mean that's about it I mean I was let me I just I really like Austin Powers the first one and it was a, it's a good memory it was a good, it came out a good year 97 Boogie Nights came out that year too so it was like a nice throwback movies and those probably are what made me a fan of the era like that's why I like those era of movies and um but I can just take or leave these sequels like they didn't do anything for me there's some funny things when Michael Caine in the third movie says there's two things that bother me <laughs> one is the intolerance for other people's cultures and the second is the Dutch. I always remember that line <laughs> yes, and I think about it's... it all the time. <laughs> there's some good stuff. And there's some there's a few good things to take away from the sequels, but overall they're so forgettable. God damn, that was a good line. Like 
only Michael Caine can deliver something like that. that, For me, I I love these movies. They're fantastic nonsense, and uh, I recommend them all. Like, the thing that you don't like is the thing that I like, that the sequels are a celebration of the nonsense, and it just becomes grander and grander. Yeah. And that's why people tuned in. I think they're just a little gross. They're just a little too gross that I don't even want to show them to my kids. Oh yeah, not not because of the sexual stuff, but just because everything else is just they're just gross. Yeah, (laughs) these are of a time, and when you get of a time movies, they uh, they're not always they don't always do that well. Yeah, but uh, yeah, age. I meant age. They don't always age well. Yeah, they don't age well. They do well, but they don't age well. And with that, I don't want to talk about Austin Powers anymore. And I'm very happy we got through these ever again. I never want to. I don't think there'll be another one. But who ever again. No. Yes. Um, thanks for listening and check us out next time. This was Aaron and Justin Talk Sequels, a great episode, our best episode ever. Probably. About Austin Powers in Gold Member. Um, <laughs> please take the time to follow us on social media, leave a comment, review us, rate us, do whatever you want, tell your grandmother how handsome we are and that she should get the internet. Mm. We'll talk to you soon. All right.